Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Of that, Hallelujah. If you'll turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 1. Sister McGee and I got several verses to read, so you can put up a, in your cue several. Also, going to be reading from Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 18. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, just for those that are here, and I know some have already departed the class, but there are going to be so many of us that are going to be gone uh, this week to camp meeting that we, we are going to forego having a, a service here. Now, that being the case, if you want to go to uh, you know, if you want to go over to South Gibson on Wednesday and be in service over there, that's perfectly fine. Or if you want to stay at home and link in to our live service in Frankfurt, I already have posted on my Facebook and the church Facebook uh, where you can click on and it'll take you to the live stream that'll be happening this week. So if you want to join us in service by, by, by remotely, do so, do so, and, uh, and come and be a part of that. And also normally on Thursday we would have uh, power hour which is prayer here at the church and we're foregoing that as well so many of us gone but that doesn't keep anybody from praying okay I don't I don't want I'm not telling you not to pray I'm just saying as far as it being a an assembled thing right here on Thursday uh, that's that's not going to take place but please come back then the following Sunday because Sunday from here next Sunday we're going to have evangelist uh, Bridges and his wife and child with us in service and we're going to have evangelists for the next three services after camp meeting and so you don't want to miss that. You want to be a part, amen, of that. There is no service tonight, by the way. There is no service. If you come back later this evening, there still might be some people here, but I'm just saying that uh, uh, we're, we're not having no service. But thank you for being here this morning. <clears throat> that should have given you enough time. Romans chapter number 1. I want to read a few verses of Scripture and read from Ephesians 5 as well. Romans 1 states, states these words. He says pardon me Romans 8 and 1 yes states these words there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemn sin in the flesh I want you to note something there just in verse 3 real quickly if you will so the law was weak but look he said that God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin so he sent him in the likeness of sinful flesh with purpose because he was going to take care of a sin issue in the flesh condemn sin in the flesh verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And 
If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Very quickly, Ephesians 5. I know that was a lengthy reading. Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Just one little verse there I want to pluck out of there today. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Someone say Amen. Hallelujah today. This morning I want to talk to us. I want to talk to us about filling voids. Filling voids. All right? Amen. Just want to teach here this morning. Amen. If God would help us. Father, I come to you today. I need, oh Lord Jesus, you in this place and house. I pray, Lord, you would touch our minds. God, by your spirit. God, by your word. Be able to help us today, God, to glean from the scriptures, God, for we know, God, there is, Lord, eternal life, God, that are in them. We pray, oh God, let there be an impartation, Lord Jesus, of that life, Lord, in this place today. will not fail, Lord, to give you the glory and the praise for it. The lovely name of Christ Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name this morning. Amen. I want to talk to us today about filling voids. Some of this came back to my mind, I should say, this week somewhat. And that is, it seems as though the nature of the beast is this. And that is, voids have a tendency of being filled. Now, I know that is very, very basic. But check it out in your own life, and I'll give you a few examples of life around here. Voids have a tendency of being filled. Now, now here's where the importance in our part play in all this is that what are we going to fill the voids with? All right? Because voids have a tendency of being filled. Uh, years ago, and those that are part of the history, we always get a good laugh about this. And uh, a week or so ago, we kind of reminisced about it when we were doing church work day. It always seems to come up around church work day. And I was working with Brother Terry McGee, and there were some others uh, that were working around. And in, in the second church, in the second church in the basement, there was an obscure room over to, to, to the side down there. One was, was Bishop's office, and there was another room. And that carried over, it was a church prior to us ever getting there. We just kind of bought a church from another a denomination. And they had a, a room down there, and it had little construction paper lettering on it. And those of you that were there know what that room was called. The room was called the Red Bird Mission Room. It's called the Red Bird Mission Room. Well, the Red Bird Mission Room was a room that wasn't necessarily, it wasn't utilized for any function, Sister Margaret, if you'll recall. It wasn't, it wasn't Bishop's office. Uh, we didn't have choir practice in that room. Uh, you know, it wasn't a Sunday school classroom, nothing. It was, it was after we first got there and got cleaned out and such, it was in many respects had some empty space. It had some empty space. Uh, but, but Joe, that, that empty space only lasted for so long. As a matter of fact, it, I, I don't, you know, you just open the door one day and you can't walk in the room. 
and it's like you know whenever we first approached this 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 was by and large an empty room and I don't know you know you just it's like it happened overnight like who snuck into the church and filled this room up but what 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 happened was is this is the emptiness and that void space it it was just like beckoning to be filled and you could, you could, if you would take enough time and rummage, you could probably find anything that you want and didn't want in the Redbird Mission Room because it was a void, and voids get filled. And we, we, it's a laughable subject today. We laugh about it. But the thing is, we brought a Redbird Mission Room to this church. I'm telling you the truth. Room number three over here, room number three, I, I couldn't tell you how many times since 2007... We've cleaned out room number three over here uh, because it was a void space. And what happens is, you know, whenever you have nowhere else to put anything, it goes over there. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. And, and, and so like right now, the pews that we no longer have in the back, they're over there. Uh, you can go over there. We've, we found uh, events for VBS that's been over there. Uh, there's been stuff where we've had stuff out at Bueller's and we had cookies and we were giving away stuff. There, there, there have been coffee makers over there. There have been styrofoam cups over there. There's sugar over there. There's coffee. There have been coffee over there because it was a void space ball. And it seems like whenever you have emptiness and voids, they want to be filled. I think that's the reason why as people today in our own lives, everybody says you can just never have enough space for storage in a house. Well, let me tell you something. If you had an extra room that was empty... Throughout the years of your life, it's not going to remain like that. You're going to fill it up because void space is just inviting for something to be inside of it. And so with that being said this morning, the problem isn't so much the vacancy, but the problem is what will we choose to put in the void spaces? So we've cleaned that out several times. Once that room is full, you can't put anything else in it. Do you understand the principle? You, you don't put things in necessarily rooms that cannot hold anything else. You, you put things in rooms that have the ability to hold something else. And so void spaces get full. And we've got to ask ourselves, then what, what are we going to put in these void spaces? Well, well, today, as we have that in literal buildings, and, and for that matter, uh, a week ago, even out here in our, our shed uh, out there where we have a lawnmower and stuff, over time, and then where we came here, is everybody all right? Where we came here, we only made like a few select keys to that thing. And only certain people had them. And here was our, here was our mode of operation. Because we didn't want the void space to get filled up. Well, when we cleaned that thing out the other day, son, we were pulling tractors out of there. It didn't even work. And, and this, that, and the other. And, and because void spaces say, fill me, if they're not already full with something. And so what we tried to put back in there were things that were only applicable to what needed to be in there and not just other stuff. Well, as that is with physical buildings this morning, you and I have been created in such a way with a capacity to receive because when we're born into the world, there are void spaces. Void spaces within our lives. And here is the problem. They are beckoning to be filled. They are desiring to be filled. But the crux of the matter comes down to this. Whether or not we, as humanity, as people, what will we fill the void spaces in our lives with? What will we put in those areas of emptiness? You, you've heard the phrase this morning. People have talked about, I'll tell you what, that, you know, they look at you and maybe they're just playing games with you. They say, I tell you what, they're full of mischief. I look at some of you this morning and probably say that. They're just full 
of mischief. Some people are already reacting to what I said. I don't understand this. They are full of it. And if that's the admission that they are full of, of, of mischief, uh, mischief that that tells me that we as individuals have the ability to be well we can be filled with things such as food and water as we'll do a little later today but we also have the ability to be filled with non non physical things such as mischief in our life amen so here is here is the crux of the matter God has a purpose and a will for the voids in the life of humanity that he has created he with intent created inside of us spaces that need to be filled but God had a plan God had a purpose what he desired those empty spaces to be filled with and most importantly I believe it's what the writer of Ephesians said that we would be filled with the spirit now here it comes folks the void in our personal lives is going to be filled with something that's the end result Voids get filled. They are going to be filled with something. The desire of God is that they would be filled with the Spirit rather than things that are not of the Spirit, as spoken of in Romans 8. Fleshly things, carnal things, that we would be filled with the Spirit. When we read in Scripture this concept of being filled with the Spirit, the Bible has a few different phrases. The deacons in Acts 6, they are spoken of as being known to be full of the Spirit. Stephen, who was the first martyr in New Testament Scripture, was described as full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas and even some of the disciples are described as being full of the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes throughout Scripture, it's commanded that we should be filled with the Spirit or filled with the Holy Ghost. But in these instances when the word filled is used, it's used in such a way, amen, it's used as a verb which means that it's in a continuous sense. Not that we're filled, a cup gets full and then you do no more with it, but you are constantly filling it. You're constantly, continuously filling it. I think one person perhaps said it best because we live lives in which we are in many cases broken we're a broken humanity we're a broken vessel we are broken in many ways life has been very unfair to us and, and, and us being born into the world has been very unfair to us and we live broken lives and one person said it like this and I think it goes very true and best the only way to keep a broken vessel full is to keep the faucet running huh you, you ever tried to be you know we water our plants they got hose in the bottom you, you, as soon as you start putting that in, it's coming out the bottom, honey, to some degree. The only way that you could keep a potted plant completely full of water is constantly keep water going into it. It's the only way that will ever be full. Well, since my condition in this life, most if not, not least, being of a broken condition, the only way that I can stay full even of the spiritual things of God is if I keep filling my life with those type of things keep filling my life with those type of measures and those type of things and whenever I do so amen perhaps I will reach moments in time when I am full of the spirit or full of the things of God but the thing is we 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 make choices we have choices to make in this life God has not left us without choices to make and so here was the moral of the story for for the writer of the New Testament scriptures he is basically telling us that our best fight, our best fight with not being filled with the things we shouldn't be filled with is then to be filled with the things we ought to be filled with. 
the apostles basically telling us the best way to not be full of what you shouldn't be full of is to keep the things you should be full of in there. Don't allow there to be any voids in your life. Amen. If we're going to use, Fred, here's our best answer for the shed out there. If we don't want other stuff to get in there that shouldn't belong in there, I guess we need to put as much stuff that should belong there in there. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you got everything that should be in there and it's full, it can't accept anything that shouldn't be in there. Am I making sense yet this morning? Amen. What I'm saying is this. In our lives, amen, Christ wants us to be filled with the Spirit. Well, a good, a good practice to keep true to what His purpose and His plan is for our lives, to be filled with the Spirit, is to so much so have our lives so full of God and the things of God that there is no room for worldliness, carnality, fleshly things to even enter our life. Why? Because what we're saying is this. There's no vacancy. Huh? There's no vacancy. You walk up to a hotel tonight, some of them still use the sign. You know, they say vacancy. And what that means, there's room for you. You got the money, there's room for you. But if there is no vacancy, you're going to have to go to another establishment in order to stay there because there's no room for you. Amen. What I'm saying today in our lives, when we practice of continuously being filled with the Spirit, the things of God, His love, His grace, His mercy, all these other things, as we're constantly filled with those things, amen, whenever other things want to come into our life, that are not a part of God's purpose, not a part of God's plan. There is basically, in a certain sense, a no vacancy sign upon our lives, and that's what God desired. He said, you don't have to pick and choose if you just allow the things of God to be in your life. There'll be room for nothing else. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. There'll be room for nothing else. When we talk about carnal things, sometimes carnal is looked at as a biblical word, but carnal things basically means this. It's often translated flesh, fleshly things fleshly things and I would dare say as the world grows to a close or we grow more closer to the end of time that it seems like the appetites of the flesh have increased the appetite of the flesh is more amen and so much that people and we all come subjected to it sometimes that we're governed by carnal things and when I find me as a person becoming governed by carnal things, it's because somewhere I have made way for a void in my life. Huh? Because carnal thing would not have a venue into my life if I were full of spiritual things. Huh? So, so a good indication of tendencies then toward carnality is then that we have somewhere left off being full or filled up or overflowing with the things that are after God's will and after His purpose. 1 Corinthians 3, Sister McGee, 1 Corinthians 3, and I want to read from verse number 1 today. 1 Corinthians 3, 1, amen. The Bible states these words. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual that as unto carnal, he says, even as unto babes in Christ. No, Paul makes a very distinction right here. He says, I speak to you as carnal, even as babes of Christ. He makes a distinction here that, that carnal or carnal people are very similar to people that have just initiated their relationship with God. Right? Because we've not grown or matured in the things of the Lord yet. So there's a very close similarity between carnality, being carnal, and then being a babe in Christ. He goes on and says, I have fed you with milk, as you would a baby, all right? 
and not with meat. You know, we don't throw some 15-ounce ribeye in front of <laughs> little so-and-so that's an infant with no teeth to try to eat it. He said, for heretofore ye were not able to bear it. He said, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. Now, Paul says, he says, there's some time that's elapsed here. When you're a babe, I fed you with milk. I couldn't give you meat. You could not have, you could not have partaken of it. You could not have handled it. But evidently, some time has, has, has elapsed because uh, he says, you're not even now able to partake of the meat that I would lay down in you. And here's the reason why, he says, for you are still carnal. That's not being mean. Paul's just saying, you still haven't matured yet. You, you still have not grown up yet. For he says, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So here's something important. And I want to lay the groundwork here today. Evidently, according to the Apostle Paul, it's possible to be carnal and still be in Christ. It's possible to be a carnal Christian. Amen. Amen. And whenever this condition occurs, it basically means a person's been born of the water and the Spirit. They have received the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost, but they are yielding more to their flesh than they are the Spirit of God that they have received. So it is quite capable of being a carnal Christian. But here is the hope for all of us today because let me draw a big circle. We all have moments of time of carnality. Oh, no one go help me talking about that. We all, capital A-L-L, all have moments of time of carnality. But here's the hope for us all. Carnality is correctable. Carnality is correctable. Amen. Carnality is the, the, the product of filling your void with the things that are not of God. And so when you have, listen to me, when you have your life so full of fleshly, carnal, unspiritual things, then there is no vacancy for the spiritual things. Uh-huh. When, when life is driven by, by a carnal appetite and you fill your life with all those stuff, there is room for nothing else. And so by virtue of what your appetite is, you, have, you know, if I were to go back here today, and they had a candy bar, and I'm talking about a, a bar, a table filled with candy. And I'm going to go back there, and I'm going to, I like sour stuff. I like to eat sour stuff. The church got me some stuff for Father's Day, and I put it in my drawer. And I tell you what, I know I probably ruined some dinners over it. Amen, eating on that stuff. You, you eat enough of candy and candy bars before we go back here today. You know what's going to be the episode? You ain't going to have no room for mashed potatoes. You forget about eating the chicken legs. I don't care how good that roll looks, forget it. Because what you have done, you've already filled the void. You've already filled the void. Amen. And I guess you'll get a certain amount of nutrition out of that stuff. Maybe not what you should be getting. But nevertheless, what I'm saying is this. You've already filled the void. And so when we do that in our personal lives and we have an appetite of worldliness and we fill it with flesh and those different things, amen, governing our carnality, we do all that. We don't have no other room for the spiritual things of God. And so that's where we're, we might have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but we're yielding more to the appetite of our flesh than we are the Spirit. Now notice what the writer in Hebrews says in Hebrews 5, Sister McGee, Hebrews 5 and verse number 11. 
Hebrews 5 in verse number 11. He says, Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become, everybody say become, and are become such as have need of milk. Look at this. When we start our journey to the Lord, we need milk. We're babes. We're carnal. But these are people that have grown up and digressed and become again as a child. They've grown up, but they have become now as one that needs milk, he says, and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The apostle basically is saying they have not matured yet. They have not matured yet. But a way in which to keep all these things straight is what the apostle told us in Ephesians 5.18, that we should be filled with the Spirit. Because a container that is full has no more capacity to receive any other type of substance. Can someone say, Amen? Amen. And let me emphasize that there are moments. There are moments of weakness. There are moments that we may be carnal. And that there is a vast difference between having moments of that and practicing a lifestyle of that. All right? There's a difference between having a moment or weakness and then practicing a lifestyle of those things. Because I know, look at your neighbor, be honest with them and tell them you're flawed. Now, without looking at anybody else, say I'm flawed. It's a whole lot easier telling somebody else they're flawed than admitting that we ourselves are flawed. See, David had no problem with bringing down the gauntlet of judgment against this fictitious story that Nathan put together about how one, two men uh, were living close. One was rich, one was poor. The poor man had one little ewe lamb. He loved, he ate at his table, his kids played with it. But there came a stranger from afar and there needed to be food for him. And so the one that was rich went and took that poor man's ewe lamb and slayed it for the one that was coming. And David goes, this should not have been done. We're going to be restoring so much food back to this man, so on and so forth, until Nathan told him that you're the man. And he used that story to build around David's sin with Bathsheba. And so David was eager to slam down the gauntlet of judgment as long as he thought it was about somebody else. But whenever he realized it was in his own life, then that kind of changed things a little bit. Did he repent? Yes. Did he make things right? Yes. But what I'm saying is this. We are I am flawed. The Bible says we have this treasure. Not in golden vessels or silver vessels or the most precious stoned vessels. No. Each one of us have this treasure in earthen, dirty, fleshly, carnal vessels. The reason being that the power that is ever displayed in our life may be of God and not of ourselves. So that when someone views your life they're not saying, boy, they're just the best person there ever was. I tell you what, they could not do any wrong. No, no, no. 
you, if you're searching for that type of testimony, you've got it all incorrect. The, the, the purpose of living life on this earth is not for that we can be seen, but what we have inside of us to be seen. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. What we should have said is that I can't believe that so-and-so and such-and-such, such, that that's happening in their life or through their life. I can't believe that. Why? Because I know who they are. They're earthen vessels. They're worldly vessels. I knew they're passing their background. But all this is coming about. Why? Because of them? No. But because they constantly allowed their life to be filled with what God has purpose and plan, and that's His Spirit, that's His power, that's His divine favor. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. That is what they should see. So the vessel is imperfect. But we are, if you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you are filled with a perfect spirit. A perfect spirit. Amen. Now note, Paul says there in Ephesians 5, be filled, if we allowed room 3 to go uninvestigated, ever, it would get filled up. I guarantee you. Many times with things that probably don't even need to be in there. I guarantee you. But the renewing, if you will, is on the work days. <laughs> when we filter back through, this needs to be there, that don't need to be there. This should be, that shouldn't be. And we take a time of reflection, investigating of what's in the full room. And you know what happens at the end of the day? Space is created for what needs to be there. In our Christian lives, there's got to be moments of time of evaluation. Because we get full, yes, but we got to step back every once in a while and say, what is Paul McGee full of? What do we got here? Oh, we see we got a little love, we got a little generosity, that's great. But what do we have over here? Oh, there's, there's, we, we start finding the, those carnal things and those fleshly things that we've filled our life with. And we're full. We can't receive anything else. But through evaluation, you know what we're doing? We're saying we need to kind of push that aside and bring this in. We need to create voids for more and more of Him. The old song says, more of you, more of you. I have all but what I need is what? We need more and more of the Lord because that's going to help dictate our thoughts, dictate our steps, dictate our actions, our reactions when we are filled by the Spirit. Someone say filled by the Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, you don't have to go there, sister. He says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day by day and so there needs to be a continuous renewing in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ we are filled with the spirit Jesus even told his disciples he was very emphatic about it he said receive the Holy Ghost amen in another portion of scripture even on the day of Pentecost Peter told those that were gathered together that day that ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and why are they so emphatic? Why, Paul, are you so emphatic about this being filled with the Spirit? Jesus received the Spirit. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because he already relayed this to us in Romans 8 in our Scripture setting. He said, because if any man have not, tito have not completely the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So it's vitally important that we keep these voids filled with the things that need to be filled. And as I said, since we're broken vessels, it's a continuous process of we keep got to be putting those things into our life. Because the idea of being filled is this. You don't have room for anything else. Amen. You don't have room 
for anything else. And so God says, be filled with the Spirit. But not only that, there's an expectation in that saying that we should maintain the fullness of the Spirit. Listen, if, we're, if it were not possible to be full of the Spirit, God would never emphasize and told us to be full of the Spirit. He's not, gonna, he's not like dangling a carrot out in front of us that we're never going to obtain. Amen. And that's something important in the Scriptures. If there's things that are laid out in the Word of God, He is not laying these things out because they are an impossibility to human flesh to obtain. He came down in the likeness of humanity. He experienced the same things that we experience in all ways, the Bible says, yet without sin. He did all that. And then he can set the bar because of becoming one of us. He can set the bar where he knows it's attainable for humanity because he had been one of us. And so he's not setting something up in the Scripture that is unattainable because he said it in such a way. We, so if he says you can be full of the Spirit... Listen, it's not something out there, some objective that's far-reaching that only a few and only a few group and classified can get to. No. Everybody's sitting under the sound of my voice today. I don't care who you are. You have the ability to reach in the go of being full of the Spirit. It is within reachable distance for you. Now, let me tell you, the adversary of your soul would like to convince you that it's not. Because if he can convince you in your mind that what the Lord has prescribed for humanity is not attainable, particularly for you, then you'll give up even advancing. You listening to me? Because I deal it with, you deal it with our children growing up. I remember, you know, kids trying to, you know, learn new things. Sarah and Josh, ride a bike or other things like that. They're trying new things. What happens in the moment that they feel like they failed a few times in trying to do what they're doing? You know what they do? Tears start going down. <laughs> I'm going to my room. I'm never coming out. They give up. They feel like every other kid in the neighborhood has this special bike riding gene that was God given to them and they can do it, but it wasn't given to them. And so they can't. And so since they think that it's something, an objective beyond their reach, they say, flee with it. Folks, the adversary does the very same thing in church life for each and every one of us. There's certain things written in his word. Some things are harder for some of us than others. Listen, some things are harder for some of us than others. But what happens is, if he can convince you that whatever it is that God speaks in his word, that you've not yet gotten yet, you've not yet attained yet, if he can convince you, you can never obtain that, then you'll stop right in your tracks and not even try anymore. But that's not the purpose. Now, don't listen to the lies and the deception of the adversary. He's a liar, the Bible says, and the father of it, and he's never going to change. The fact of the matter is this. Whatever God has written in his word, he's written for every single last one of us, young, old, rich, poor, just got saved, been saved for 10 years. It's for all of us, and it is obtainable. Don't stop allowing God to fill the voids in your life with the things of the Spirit, because someday you're going to look over your shoulder and see where you were and where you are now. Amen. We need him in order to accomplish this. In Bible, the Bible describes this as sometimes running, sometimes flying, sometimes walking, different descriptions in the scripture, but none of them get beyond just that 
that, that walking in the Lord, you know, flying, running, all these things fast. You know, the race is not to the swift. It's to them that endure. As a matter of fact, whenever uh, the Apostle Paul was speaking in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, go and get Hebrews 12 and 1 for me. Whenever he's speaking to them and he's speaking in terms that they can understand, he's talking about a race. But for no one to get confused, the race that he's talking about wasn't the 50-yard dash. All right? We're not talking about a sprint. You want to do 50-yard dash, 100-yard dash, you want to do a sprint, you want to focus on quickness. But if you go run a marathon, right? You go run a marathon, Paula, you want to, you want to focus on endurance. Huh? Cross-country runners, you might be able to beat some of them in a 50-yard dash. But you go off on the long haul. It's all about endurance. And so that's what we're talking this morning about. Paul makes the relation even in Hebrews. This race that we're in, it's not about how quick. Are you hearing me today? It's not about you, 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 it's not about you coming in and you getting every, every T and every I right from the very go. And boom, you did it. You're quick. My God, look at them. They just, my God. That's great. I've seen a lot of people do that and they fell off the bandwagon. Years later, this race isn't about the quickness, it's about endurance. It's about saying, I've not yet obtained, but it's not going to keep me from striving to obtain. Amen. It's about endurance. And so I'm going to encourage you today, amen, that if you're headed in the right direction, complete look at the Bible here in Hebrews 12.1. He says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. Patience. Not about the quickness, about the endurance. The patience, the race that is set before us. Now, we, we, could, we, we could very easily go quickly to, well, here's the problem. Here's the problem with running the race. You, you've not laid aside what needs to be laid aside. Lay aside the sin. Lay aside the weight. All that is very important. But I like the first word there, wherefore. The apostle... The apostle is going backwards saying because of something for this reason based upon this we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses reaching backward and when he reaches backward if anybody knows what Hebrew 11 is about it is the hall of fame of the faithful that by faith Abraham left on a journey not knowing where he was going and he was going to inherit the promise of God that by faith Enoch walked with God and was not. By faith Abel brought a more excellent sacrifice unto the Lord. By faith, by faith, by faith. All these different things are by faith. And he says there is a cloud of witnesses. Listen to me. This is not the portrayal of spectators in the stand. All right? This is not, you know, you, you go to a sporting exit and you might be the spectator. You know, spectators in the the stands are like, yeah, go team. You know, you got your colors and all this good stuff and your, 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 your shirt on that supports your team. This is not talking about spectators. This is talking about witnesses, people that have a testimony. This is talking about the Abrahams and the Jacobs and all these of Hebrews 11 that have already walked the path, already walked the road already succumbed to the same things that you have succumbed to. And you know what they are? They're like a lot of these good coaches, coaches that had played the sport somewhere in the past, 
mostly that is the, 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 the rule of thumb. If they're going to coach basketball, they, they played basketball somewhere in their past. If they're coaching football, they played football in their past. And so what this is more so, the cloud of witnesses, not the spectator, but it's similar to the coaches along the sidelines. And you know what they can say? They can say, I know where you're at. I've been where you're at, but I came through where you're at. You're not going to fail in this endeavor because I did it, and if I did it, you can do it too. Folks, we got a cloud of witnesses that's standing on the sidelines. There's the Moseses and the Davids and all these other people, the Daniels along the sidelines. They're not there with their nose stuck down. What they are there saying to us of this generation, listen here, I was in the same place that you was at. I dealt with disappointment, discouragement. I felt like I couldn't make it and push through. But guess what? We endured and we came out on the other side. And if our generation could do it, your generation can do it too. Amen. If you'll stand with me here this morning. You can do it. Just keep filled those voids filled with the proper things. You can do it. There's people from the sidelines rooting you on. You got family problems? Joseph is somewhere on the sidelines. Hey, well, I want to talk about a dysfunctional family? There you have it. But he's telling you, hey, I was there. You can do it too. You got a task or a job that looks too big for you to handle? Moses is somewhere on the sidelines. How would you like to be the leader? probably a million people <laughs> take them through a desert for 40 years you think you got a test that's too big listen there's voices of witnesses on the sidelines saying I've been there you can do it too are you in the position maybe you're tempted to retaliate there's a David standing somewhere that was constantly in flight as a fugitive from Saul that dealt with the accusations and the curses of a Shimei if he wanted to throw him in the towel and say, you know what, this whole throne business and everything is not worth it. Forget it. If there's ever a person who wanted to retaliate, he would. But if you find yourselves in those shoes, there is a cloud of witness. There is someone that's testifying, so to speak, from the sidelines that says you can do this. So my encouragement to you today is being filled with the Spirit is not some objective that's outside, outside of the realm of you or an impossibility for you. It's just a device sometimes of our adversary to make us feel like there are things in this book that we can't personally achieve. We can't. We, we'll never get there. You can't. He wouldn't have put it in there if it wasn't capable of being done. It's about enduring. Sometimes it, it means that you just got to lower your head in the face of the oncoming wind and press forward. But you can do it. It's not an impossibility. It's not an impossibility. God is able to help us in this endeavor. And let me tell you, and I, God is not a God that is sitting on the brink of heaven looking down and trying to devise something, saying, you know, maybe this will get, maybe we'll fail over this. God is not like that. God is in a position. Listen, God wants you to succeed. God wants you, he doesn't want you to fail. He, does, he wants you to succeed. But here is the thing. He knows what you're capable of too. He knows what you're capable of. He wants you to succeed. 
Amen this morning. We can just bow our heads in this place today. Hallelujah, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.